So, I'm Andrew. I'm just going to say, tell you a few stories, actually. My uh, daughter had a child, my first grandchild this year, and it's amazing, isn't it? A new baby is a, just a stunning experience, and there's just filled with wonder. Um, and I want to say, you know, I don't think this world will ever be short of wonders, but it may be short of wonder. And um, I don't know about you, but some of your Christmas presents may have a wow factor, but some of them may not be so impressive. I mean, true or not. And uh, now my wife and I give each other a Christmas stocking each year. This is one of the stockings we use. And you might say, well, that's a bit woolly for a stocking, but there we go. It's just a nice big sock. And look, it's already got one present in. If you want to add to it this morning, that's, that's fine. Um, you might have a more colourful stocking, maybe something like this. They often are in red, but I believe in having them bigger. Okay, so um, now my wife and I, we set a budget, so it's quite a low amount of money. So that kind of forces you to go to charity shops to find things that will amuse or be useful to the other. And, and so it's quite fun on Christmas morning to uh, be in bed and open up these little presents which does include chocolate and other things like that wrapped in gold, you know, so it looks like a gold coin but is really chocolate and um, and such things like that and one can feel kind of loved when people have thoughtfully picked a present for you, can't you? And yet, even when someone has done that, saying thank you, having wonder about it, can be very difficult. I remember when I was young, which is a very long time ago, and before there was email and Facebook or anything like that, that uh, my parents used to make me and my sister sit down and write thank you letters after Christmas. And I hated it. I, I, I was so reluctant. I couldn't think what to write. And it was so difficult. And it's a funny thing that being grateful can be very very difficult. So the world doesn't have a shortage of wonders, but it often is short of wonder. Now, a grandma once complained to another grandma that every year she sent checks to her grandchildren and she never got a thank you. And the grandma she was talking to said, oh, I found the solution to that problem. I just send the checks unsigned. (laughs) Then you get a thank you visit. Now, I wonder, just, I want to invite you just to consider for a moment, is it possible that we have received unsigned checks from God our Father and that we never visit with him to get them signed and to cash in on them? Is that just possible? I invite you to think about that. But it would also be true that like any good parent, God our Father gives us many good things Uh, that just come to us anyway without us ever asking for them or even being very grateful for them. And so the question that arises, if our children know that they have somebody to thank for gifts in their stockings, don't we have somebody to thank for two legs in our stockings? And I want to suggest to you that we do. We have God our Father to thank for those two legs and for so many other things we enjoy. 
Now, um, you might then think, well, I, I, I don't know what I've got to thank. Well, all our talents and abilities, all the, all the opportunities that we have to develop those talents and abilities. And you might say, well, I worked hard. I've, I've made my own way. Yeah, but who gave you the strength to work hard? What, what example did you receive that working hard was a good thing to do? And, and who put you in a place where working hard was rewarded? Because it isn't in every place in the country, world that working hard is rewarded. The Bible says this, what do you have that you did not receive? It asks us that question. What do you have that you did not receive? Reflect about it at the bus stop or wherever. So the critical thing actually for us is, do you take things for granted? Do we take things for granted or do we take things with gratitude? Because the tragedy of so many modern people is not that we have, we have nothing to give thanks for. That's not true. But we're not at all sure we have anyone to give thanks to. But Christmas is when we remember there is somebody to give thanks to. Now, it's possible then to conceive of a situation where you have somebody to give thanks to, but they're a pretty unpleasant person you'd never really want to know. Quite a few years ago, we were in church worshipping one Sunday morning, and we had a guy in the church at that time called Miles Castleton. Some of you remember Miles. And he came up this Sunday morning to tell, uh, we often invite people to tell stories of what God has done in their lives. He came up and he told stories of how God had saved his life on several occasions. He'd been a prisoner of, he'd been in, in, in an internment as a child under the Japanese during the Second War. He'd been near some explosion which had made him deaf, but he hadn't lost his life. He'd nearly drowned. I don't remember all the stories. Some of you remember this event? He went back to his seat, and within a few minutes he'd collapsed on the floor, and it turned out later he'd had a heart attack. Right? Now, um, it was a very kind of uh, awesome moment. There was a lot of wonder in the room at that time, I can assure you. But I think it might have been the best place to have a heart attack you could have had. Because, I mean, Kavitha was there, weren't you? And Kavitha's a doctor. We had um, Sarah Oglesby. She was a registrar anaesthetist. Um, There was Colin Eccles. Who, who, as a Met police officer at the time, he knew exactly what to do to do all the heart pumps and everything. And Neil Browning was there as well, yes. So he was a vascular surgeon. So there was like, you couldn't, you couldn't really, you, you know, if you'd planned it, you might have decided, I'm going to have a heart attack. When shall I arrange it? You know, it was like awesome. And honestly, I was thanking God there were these people here that day because I was like in charge, and so. You know, I wouldn't have known what to do. And, uh, and they did all this stuff, and, and they, they, obviously they called the ambulance, and uh, Sarah intubated him as they took him away in the ambulance. I believe he had to have heart, heart bypass surgery, um, and would, as a result of that, would have made a f- fantastic recovery. Um, and no doubt he might have met the, the surgeon who'd operated on him and probably said, hey, thank you for doing that. would be a natural thing to do, wouldn't it? But... You know, doctors aren't always the nicest of people necessarily. I'm allowed to say that because I have a doctor daughter and there's a saying about doctors that there are two kinds of doctors. Those that think they are God and those that know they are God. And, um, but, you know, that's just teasing, as it were. But it wouldn't matter. He could still be glad I've been rescued by the surgery that I received. I'm grateful. I don't need to know this doctor. But is, is that what it's like with God? That we, we can say, well, yes, thank you. He's, there's obviously some being out there 
responsible for all of this, but I'm not sure I want to know them. I think God's hateful and horrible, and um, I don't want anything to do with God. Is that what God is like? Well, dear friends, I, I, I believe that what's, how God shows himself in Scripture is far different from that. He's, he's loving and good, and he's worth wondering about. He's worth singing to, to as we've been doing today. And, uh, and he's a good, good God. Some years ago, my, um, my wife and I, we got tickets in 2009 to the ATP Tennis World Tour Finals. You know, at the end of the year, usually about November, the top eight men's singles players have a final competition of the tennis tournament year. And it was the first year, it was at the O2 Arena in London. We had an afternoon ticket and an evening ticket. In the afternoon, we saw Robin Soderling playing Rafa Nadal. And in the evening, we saw Novak Djokovic playing Nikolai Davidenko. And uh, um, it was the first year. We'd been to Wimbledon previously. And, and there's a fantastic atmosphere at Wimbledon. You just, it's, just, uh, just, it's just electric in there. The crowd are buzzing. It's fantastic. I remember going to the Paralympics in London in 2012, being there when David Weir in his wheelchair won a gold medal, and he was coming round on the last circuit, and there was like a roar of the crowd as he came round, and then he, oh, and he got the win, and he took gold, and the roar was just fantastic. And many of you will have been maybe to your favourite football ground, a rugby ground, you will have experienced what it's like to be at a great sporting venue. Well, here we were at the O2. It's the afternoon. This match is happening. There's 20,000 people. It's a 20,000 seat of the O2 arena. And it is dead. Right? It is, there's, there's, it's just silence. Except in between, you know, they play two games and then they go and have a little rest. And when that happened, they were blaring pop music at us. I'm not saying pop music's bad, I enjoy it, but it, was just, it, was, it just felt odd. It was like, you know, come on, get happy people. And um, then it would be silent, and it was silence. And it was, I was thinking, goodness, I, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a person of hope, I should be, how can I change this, the atmosphere? But I thought, what can one person do with 20,000 people here? And so I just kind of flopped and was thinking, this isn't very interesting, and... Um, Robin Soderling was losing this match. And then this voice yelled out, I love you, Robin! Right. And, and, and I thought, you know, a bit odd, I'm English, that's, you know. And then this guy goes again, I love you, Robin! And he kept doing it. And Robin Soderling started winning, and then he won the match, right? And, but I was thinking, you know, weird, odd, you know, it's so embarrassing. Um, anyway, we get to the evening match, and it's Djokovic versus um, Davidenko. And Djokovic loses the first set. And, uh, and then, blow me down, you're right, you're going to go. This voice starts shouting out, I love you, Novak. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, oh, my goodness, you know. I love you, Novak. And then I realised, actually... This guy was doing what I'd kind of vaguely prayed about earlier. He was changing the atmosphere in the O2 Arena. He was bringing... I mean, they've, they've repeated it at the O2 Arena every year since. I imagine they've got atmosphere there now. But this guy single-handedly changed the atmosphere. And being, from being one set down, Djokovic went on and won the game. Now, friends, I think the world is a bit like that O2 Arena. It's... There's something, we're, we're often isolated, we, so many people feel alone and lonely. 
people are trying to scam you. There's, there's abuse. There's like trolling on the internet. Abuse of things said on Facebook or whatever. Cruelties. Your stuff's stolen. We get burgled from. People are subject to sexual harassment. Uh, there's a lot of issues in our world. You only, you only have to listen to the news, don't you? And, and Christmas is a reminder that God comes into that darkness and he starts saying, I love you. I love you, Rita. I love you, Ian. I love you, Sarah. I love you, Jake. He comes and he starts shouting it. And he courageously acts. It's such a small thing. You know, God couldn't make himself bigger to impress us. But at Christmas, he made himself smaller to attract us. And this is the goodness of our God. And so when you open your stocking this year, I want you to... Think about the legs in your stocking and thank God for that. Okay? And here's my present here. What have I got in here? Oh, here we go. Oh, look at that. A second-hand teddy. No, this teddy's not valuable because of the intrinsic value of the materials. I guess if I recycle them, I don't know, it'd be worth a penny or two, if that. There's only... The, the reason a teddy is loved often is because there's been some history, isn't that right? We've invested in that. And one of the things Jesus said was this. He said, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. But I just want to catch that first thing. The Father gives people to Jesus. Did you know that? The Father gives people to Jesus. And he's he's giving you to Jesus. And I wonder what you think he's putting on the label. He's saying, to my son, with love, Father. And that's the label he's putting on us. To my son, with love, Father. And 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 I think many of us then, once we begin to realise that God would do that, we begin to think, oh, I don't know whether I better scrub up a bit. I better kind of improve, lift myself. I better improve myself. But the message of Christianity is, no, you do not need to improve yourself. God loves you. He loves you even though you're damaged. He loves you even though you're rebellious. He loves you even though you've done cruel cruel things. He loves us despite our cruelties, our prejudices. He loves us even though we've had successes. Not because of the successes. He he loves you despite your sense of humour or or whatever. Right? He He loves you whether you're bald or short or whatever. Whatever. All the things we disqualify ourselves about, these are irrelevant to God. Because he loves us.